0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss how to create a category or a new market. Joining us is Russ Heddleston, who is the founder and CEO of DocuSend, which is a Dropbox company. Dropbox, if you haven't heard of it, is a secure document sharing platform everyone can use, which makes managing, sharing, and tracking your important files as easy as sharing a link. Yesterday, Russ and I talked about creating a new product category. And today we're going to continue the conversation and talk about why self-serve outperforms outbound marketing. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Russ Heddleston, the founder and CEO of DocSend. Russ, welcome back to the Martech podcast. Thanks, Ben. It's great to be here. Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday we talked about some of the marketing strategies and product categories that you created for DocSend. And I think just to set the table for anybody who didn't listen to that episode, Docs is a product that can be used by anybody with an internet connection that is at work. It is a tool that is for sending applications, which is something that has a huge TAM. So yesterday we talked through, well, how do you figure out who to market to or where to focus? And one of the things I want to dig in a little bit deeper is both you and Dropbox have a similar sales mechanism. And you're focusing on selling to the end users, not the enterprise. And a lot of what your service does is focused on onboarding people through a, a viral, very shareable experience, but it's very product-led growth. I would say that you were product-led growth before it was product-led growth when it was still called growth hacking. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about the difference between taking that approach of building your marketing into the product as opposed to outbound marketing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely especially in the existing kind of macro environment where it's harder to raise capital and public markets are down a lot and a lot of belt tightening happening. I think for a lot of companies, it's top of mind of how do we not just grow at all costs, but how do we grow efficiently? And there are a lot of ways to do that. The channels are a little more unique to the value prop of any particular product than just saying like, throw more money at advertising on Google, right? (laughs) But the outcome that happens if you do it well is really desirable in the sense that we raised less than $15 million for Docsend and sold the company for $165 million And Dropbox published that, you know, they bought it for 11x ARR at the time. So everyone made money. It was great.
1: I feel like there's always this internal debate. I had a conversation yesterday with the CEO of meetup.com. And I was talking to him about the changes in marketing strategies from when you're an early stage company growth stage and enterprise before product market fit after product market fit and once you've achieved scale and how those priorities change and basically he was saying something surprising to me is when you're an early stage company focus on pr get some credibility and you're basically emailing people and trying to show you're a big deal and over time you're going through a ppc phase where you're buying your customers and then eventually you need to focus on organic growth That all seems very logical to me. He's been a successful marketer and products that have large TAMs as well. They're more consumer focused than commercial like yours. But your strategy seems to be, all right, start with a product approach and basically build in that organic growth up front. Why are you taking that strategy as opposed to focusing on splashy things or performance marketing? What's the business rationalization for trying to get organic growth figured out from day one?
2: A lot of it has to do with the value proposition of Docsend. So if I were to just stop you on the street and say, like, Ben, use this tool that instead of sending an attachment, you send a link and you can see who's reading it and how long each page and who they forward to and you make sure it's done securely, you'd probably be like, wait, what? Like, you don't need it in this particular moment. You're like, isn't that kind of like sending a Google Drive link? And then I'd be like, but it's better. So we did try some of the kind of on marketing things early on, but because Docsend is kind of a new category, we didn't have as much success there, like just looking at the metrics. And so we couldn't rely on it. So I think if you're building a better mousetrap, that might be correct in terms of focus on PPC and kind of up on marketing and PR at first. If you're building a product that is a new category, You kind of only have the one option, which is to do product-led growth early on, unless you're going to do kind of like outbound enterprise sales. So for Docsend, there's not really a great shortcut. We just kept listening to customers. We just kept listening to, hey, what are the rough pain points in the product? Who's using it? Just kept making it better. Most people have assumed that Docsend's biggest channel is viral growth. And we do get a fair amount of that. It does spread itself. But word of mouth is actually a bigger channel. And a lot of that just comes from building a product that works for the end user and is pretty intuitive. And then people just talk to other people about it. Like you might be saying, Ben, like, oh, I'm to a friend, like, oh man, I've got this problem with like fundraising and no one ever gets back to me. And then that in that moment, if someone says, oh, have you tried Docs I'd be like, no, what is it? And then you you like, I observe this when I go to like parties or I'm at a social event. I see people talking about it and it kind of spreads itself. And then it also spreads into different categories. So a lot of enabling that to happen means we don't have a big talk to sales banner on our website. If you go to doxin.com, we'll explain by vertical how you use the product in great detail. So, you can get up and running in literally minutes inside of the product. So, it drastically reduces the friction from coming to our website to like signing up to like using the product. And that has worked wonders for us. There's also a lot of like blocking and tackling and kind of more mundane stuff around just SEOing, <laughs> like terms on your website, getting backlinks. There's a lot of marketing 101 stuff there that you want to do. But yeah, I'd say focus on building a product that delights a customer. And then make it really easy if they tell someone else about it, that they can get up and running in the product in no time.
1: I think you're understating one critical decision you made, which is you built a product that is based on a sharing mechanism in the same way that email or even like ride sharing and Uber's model famous for you know its virality, right? High K factors, which is in the use of the product, I am sending something to someone else. I am emailing someone, so I'm sending them a message. I am sending an attachment. This notion of sharing, and I guess Uber is the commercial example, is most of the time it's like I'm sharing a ride. But there is an experience that you are able to distribute to people that aren't your end users, but then you're able to provide marketing to them, which is sort of this viral marketing 101, is you have to have something that is providing value before you're asking for something. So I'm curious to hear from you what some of the hooks are when you've got this sharing mechanism built into your product. What are some of the ways, times, places where you're starting to market and where are you just trying to show value to get somebody to have a great experience so your marketing is accepted?
2: Well, I can tell you a whole list of things that didn't work for us that we tried. (laughs) I'm here for it. One example is uh, we thought hey, what if we gave our existing users a discount on the software in exchange for telling other people about the software? So we built this whole referral model into Docsend and that just didn't work at all.
1: I'm not in the business of helping people send more attachments, you are.
2: Yeah. That's how that feels to me. Yeah, exactly. And we also tried another one where we said, hey, let's make it really obvious to the recipient what benefit the sender is getting. And we thought maybe that'll help the virality. And it just never really helped the virality.
1: Wait, the person who's sending me this attachment can see how far in
2: the attachment I've actually scrolled? They're tracking me? Exactly. So just in the free tier of Docsend, we've tried it over time and it's not in any of the paid versions anymore. We would show the recipient of attachment or a document sent as a Docsend link their own progress through the document. Like, hey, we're tracking you just so you know the sender is tracking you, which is part of the utility of Docsend. Why don't you use Docsend as well? that sort of thing. But it turns out the recipients of documents aren't senders as often as you might think otherwise. (laughs) So that's why I was saying earlier, it's just very surprising to me that word of mouth is still the number one channel for Docsend, just adding value to the experience of the sender. But there is definitely a K factor in Docsend in the sense that, to your point, Docsend is spreading itself. But we didn't really want to make that too obvious, even in the name document sending docsend. we tried to make it really unobtrusive pretty on the nose exactly and we also allow white labeling it like we don't say docsend in the product anywhere if you're paying for standard or or higher you can just put your own logo in there again it's not about docs and it's about whatever important file you're trying to send to someone else and all those differentiators just make it so that you as a sender of files are a big advocate And therefore, talk to other people who might also send files and you'll recommend it. And because we're building for the end user, that's our kind of spread right there.
1: I assumed the answer was going to be, well, we followed the Hotmail model, which is when a document was sending in the bottom of the footer in a tasteful, appropriate, non-obtrusive way. We were saying this document was sent with Docsend and that link drives 80% of our growth. It sounds like you're stripping most of that away and just saying, hey, all the real estate agents talk to the real estate agents and they tell them what their process is, and it is true word-of-mouth marketing as opposed to having some built-in hooks
2: into the product. Totally. And there's also a big upsell motion. So our personal plan is 10 bucks a month if you pay annually. Our advanced plan is 150 bucks a month if you pay annually. Big price difference between personal and advanced and there's a lot of upsell that happens people will come in and use the 14-day trial might go on personal for a while and then they'll be like oh this is the value of advanced and they might have to think about it for a little while and they'll just upgrade in the product so we we do keep a cheap price point there so people can kind of go play around with it and see if it's a good fit for them but yeah we tried so hard for the hotmail thing to work for us seems you're working for other companies, work for them. But yeah, I think it's just fascinating and interesting to note that for us, that wasn't the primary driver of growth. Time for a one minute break to
1: hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. I had a little bit of an epiphany here. And this is funny that what you're doing or what the marketing strategies you're describing, product led growth, right? But your strategy is very much a brand strategy. Like you are building awareness through having a great customer experience. And depending on that awareness and exposure and positive experience being shared in relatively an untrackable way, I would call that brand marketing. Now, you're not creating television commercials and hoping people get to your website. You're basically doing a similar thing, though, by just having a great experience and hoping someone tells somebody else.
2: 100%. Yeah. The time to wow has to be short. If you create a product with a short time to wow and has high advocacy and high NPS, there's totally a baseline of word of mouth that happens from that. There's also a function of our growth that is almost Hotmail-esque in the sense that people are sharing documents with other companies generally. It's not within a company, it's between companies. And that allows Docsend to hop between companies. We also, at least in the fundraising use case, our most common buyer and user is the CEO, which is super helpful from a growth perspective. In the sense that like if the CEO is using it and the CEO says, hey, sales team, you should use this product, they're probably going to use the product. (laughs) So it kind of helps if you come in from the top. And we've got a lot of examples of land and expand or the CEO starts using Docsend, then they adopt it not just for fundraising, but for investor relations. They might be using it for you know employee onboarding. They'll give it to HR, they'll give it to sales, they'll give it to marketing, they'll give it to account management. And then suddenly we have like a much bigger deployment within the company, but it just starts at one seat. So
1: the last question I have for your last topic today When you're taking this strategy of, look, we're building a great product experience. It's got shareability built into it. We tried splashing our brand up and putting hooks. Didn't work. It's really a word of mouth, a brand awareness type experience. You mentioned the land and expand as well. You're focusing a lot on upsells. Talk to me about the measurement of your marketing. You can't look at impressions, conversions. What are some of the metrics or KPIs that you think about when it comes to understanding how many bodies you're reaching, how many prospects you have. Like you don't have impression, click, conversion metrics based on word of mouth. So what do you do to measure marketing?
2: The nice thing about product growth is if you get organic traffic, it's like people just type in doxin.com and then pay us. You're like, that's very exciting. Where did they come from? How do we get more of them? That's pretty nice. It's like, (laughs) We don't know. It's a little untrackable. But we do ask users, obviously, where they found us. And we do have a demand gen budget. We do spend money at our scale on demand gen. And so we do have all those typical funnel metrics. But as a company, we view marketing is very core to growth, obviously, as to most companies. But we think of it as, from a product perspective, how many link active users do we have in a given month? Like how many people are generating a doc send link and sending it externally? That's kind of our North Star because we know that's our kind of base metric on top of which this spread happens.
1: It's funny, now that you say that, it's like, look, if the amount our product is used leads to more marketing opportunities, basically that's your top of funnel metric, which is like the equivalent of impressions. How many people were exposed to the links or the experience, that's kind of our top of funnel. Do you think about any sort of nurture, like, great, we had this many uses, that means this many more people were exposed to our content. You know, How do you do sort of your... Predictive analytics or your planning?
2: Product-led growth, it's awesome in the efficiency of it. And then it's hard to say like, hey, how do we spend a ton more money to make it grow faster? You typically invest your money in a better product experience and then incrementally in marketing where you can see wins. So data-driven content marketing has worked well for Docsend. And we measure that through effectively a different funnel. Like how many people is that content reaching? What's the engagement of people with that content? And it's all a leading indicator. We're not hard selling anyone on using Docsend. You can consume that content without having to use the product at all. But then we will track how many of our signups read any content before getting to Docsend. We also measure it in terms of ongoing engagement because we think that correlates with LTV and kind of ongoing being a customer. So how many existing customers are engaging with the content that we're creating? So from there, we can obviously track signups, trials like conversion to paid on which plans and all that sort of stuff. We also do a fair amount of tracking on our website just for SEO purposes, like for the landing page on docs and for sales teams. How many people are visiting that? What's the conversion like when it comes from there? Because we do want to invest more and we do invest in customer quotes and case studies and all of that stuff. And it all feeds into kind of the top line numbers that we look at, which is the health of our funnel being like, okay, How many signups do we have? Where are those signups coming from? How many of the signups are converting? Which plans are they converting to and looking at this by channel? So we can start to lean in and try to like fiddle with things and make everything grow faster. But the base of it is still the amount of usage that Doxin has spreads more usage of Doxin at its core.
1: It's almost marketing without marketing. You've built the product, the virality. And I, I understand that you do actually do marketing. Sounds like the answer to it is, Our product builds some growth, we're doing a lot of content, so we care very much about the SEO and developing additional organic growth strategies. I think the challenging thing for me to get my head around, and what is so amazing about businesses like Docsend, like Dropbox, is for a lot of companies, the focus early is on either buying attention or buying your traffic, and organic growth takes time to scale. And whether it's SEO, product led growth, you have to build the product, you have to get adoption, build virality, those things take time and patience. But if you start from day one, then you really have a chance to get the most growth over time. And I think that it's gotta be the right business, something with sharing built into the product, like I mentioned before. But if you have that type of business model and you start your organic growth channels early, the sky's the limit. And Russ, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and telling us a little bit about your experience. It was really a Fascinating conversation. Thanks for being my guest. Yeah, totally. Thanks, Ben. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Russ Heddleston, the founder and CEO of Docsend. If you'd like to get in touch with Russ, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is heddleston R-H-E-D-D-L-E-S-T-O-N. Or you can visit his company's website, which is docsend.com, D-O-C-S-E-N-D.com.